Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, I'm interviewing a paranormal investigator who bought a haunted house on purpose. Just before we get to that, though, I just want to say if you enjoyed this episode, any of my previous episodes of the podcast, please subscribe, follow, like, and share. It really does help. It also helps massively if you leave a review on whatever platform you use. We are on Facebook and Instagram, so you can jump on there and keep in the loop for every time we post anything. We have a blog, which is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. And finally, we are also on Patreon. So if you want episodes early, exclusive content, or if you just want to enjoy Imparanormal Thoughts without any of the ads, because I know they can be pretty pesky, you can jump onto our Patreon. Uh, everyone who's over there, it's a massive support. It really does help the podcast uh, keep afloat. So the more people who jump on over there, uh, hopefully the more I can do Paranormal Thoughts podcast. So today we're speaking with Jill Shelley and she's been a paranormal investigator for the last 12 years in Minnesota. Jill reached out to me uh, with a very interesting email. Now, obviously, I've done Paranormal Thoughts podcast for, I think it's about five and a half years now, close to six years. Uh, and, and over that time, I've gotten a fair few emails from paranormal investigators reaching out for a bunch of different reasons. But Jill really stood out to me because in uh, pretty much in her first line of her email, she goes on to say that she has purchased a haunted property on purpose so she and her team can conduct research whenever they like. So that got me really excited, so I decided to bring Jill on and ask her a bunch of questions, uh, get some evidence from her as well. So just before we get into the interview, though, I just want to go through a couple paranormal terms that Jill mentions we talk uh, a little bit about some of the technology um, and equipment that paranormal researchers use when doing ghost hunts and conducting research and so on. So the three we mentioned here today are EVPs, which is electronic voice phenomenon, which is the recording of voices on hard disk recording, or I guess once once upon a time it was on tape. So we have a few examples. So make sure you listen out for those in the episode of some cases that Jill had been working on. So those are really cool to get to hear. The other piece of equipment is a REM pod. So it's a small device with an antenna which creates its own electromagnetic field. And anything that disturbs that field, the REM pod will make a noise or light up. 
And the final one is a spirit box or ghost box. And these are, well, typically it was a broken radio that would continuously flick through frequencies and you would ask questions um, to the room, to spirits, and you'd try to hear answers coming through the broken radio. They've made devices since which are a little bit more specific to and tailored to ghost hunting. Uh, But those are the three pieces of equipment that we mention. And often, you know, they kind of do have these abbreviated names. And if you aren't too familiar, that's totally fine. So I thought I would give a little bit of a definition of everything. So when you do hear later in the episode uh, us talking about these specific items, you can go, yep, great, know what those are. And with that, let's get into the episode. Hello, Jill. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and speak with me today. Oh, yeah. Happy to be here. Jill, I'd love to hear about your background. How did you get into paranormal investigating? Where did it all kind of start? And just a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I was always really fascinated by the paranormal since I was a really young kid. Um, you know, just kind of like talking about the spooky ghost stories and things like that as I was growing up with my cousins. And um, But one of my first experiences I had really was at my grandmother's house who had a room upstairs that one of us, you know, none of us kids really liked. Um, you always kind of got that standoffish feel. Um, somebody was kind of watching you. Like I never really liked going in that room. Like if I had to ever get anything in that room, I'd like run in really quick and then run back out kind of thing. But there was one particular night where I had woken up in the middle of the night. I was um, sleeping in the room adjacent to it. And then my parents were in a different room and I could hear them snoring. But I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard footsteps coming out of the room. And my back was facing the door and I was probably like between eight and 10. So I was pretty scared. I didn't want to turn around. But then I kind of felt like he was, he, she, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like male, but you could feel like almost like it was like burning through you, almost like just staring through you, just this most intense feel. And I heard it kind of go, <sighs> Then I turned around and it walked back out and I just heard the footsteps going back to the room. And that was like so creepy to me. And then um, I brought it up in the morning at breakfast. Of course, my parents were like, no, we slept all night. Um, my grandma slept, sleeps downstairs. And she says, oh, gosh, honey, that's just a ghost and he won't hurt you. And I thought, wow, if my grandma's not even affected by this, <laughs> you know, so I kind of, kind of feel the fire is like, I wanted to learn more about, you know, ghosts, like what really are they? So that kind of fueled the fire to kind of transpire me into, um, into the paranormal. So I spent a lot of time, you know, just kind of reading books and watching documentaries on TV and kind of learning. And then it wasn't until the advent of like, you know, some of the ghost hunting shows have come out that I was like, Oh my gosh, you can really go out and do this. That was in about 2010. So I met a great group of people, and then we formed a group called Saint Croix Paranormal, um, and we started started a team and started going all over the country investigating. Yeah, that's great. I love that you had that such a prominent experience at a young age, and I guess your grandmother going and like it's it's. I think it's nice to have a adult figure, especially you know a family member, be able to be open enough to be like, yeah, that's just the ghost, you know, that's, that's great to have at such a young age. And then, yeah, a hundred percent, I guess, I feel like for everyone watching ghost adventures, ghost hunters, things like that, um, really puts it in perspective, like, wow, this is something that people do. And it seems really fascinating. So I can totally see how that, um, it's a a big influence onto where you've kind of ended up going. Oh yeah. And part of it too was, um, as we got into it, I was, you know, pretty much I was, you know, 
a lot of people, I'm sure, they're afraid of dying. Like, I just didn't want to be in the ground and that was it. Like, that, you know, I just couldn't handle that being the end. And so doing the research that I have, I just had to prove to myself there was there is another side. And I feel like with, with a lot of the evidence and, and all the experiences that we've captured throughout the many, many years, um, I've proven to myself there is another side. And so now I kind of try to do research about like what, what's going on over there and try to learn a little bit about that. So now I'm, now I'm a little less afraid of dying. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of part of what drove me to. Yeah, nice. I like that. I'm always questioning, I suppose, our mortality and what is sort of next, if anything. But that's a great way to get I guess, some sort of indication that you aren't just sort of in the ground or burnt or what kind of have you, that there does seem to be this very interesting, well, I don't know, whatever the next stage kind of is, which you have some evidence of from all your investigations. Oh, gosh. Well, we, you know, we've, we've asked like, you know, do your loved ones come to greet you? They say, yeah. We've asked if animals were, were in heaven. They'd say yes. Um, but we have noticed, though, too, um, when you start delving into the questions of like heaven, hell, you know, God and devils and, and that kind of thing, we seem to get a lot of things kind of shutting down. Like they quit talking to us or communicating with us. Um, and I always kind of felt like, well, maybe these are things that we're not supposed to know. And I kind of was at, we were at a rectory, um, the Saddamsville rectory, and we were talking with a priest who had committed suicide. You know, he was known there and, you know, as, as we were using the equipment and he was touching it, we confirmed that's who it was. Um, and then I, you know, for and the answer to yes is to touch the equipment. And I was like, is there a heaven? And it didn't answer anything. And I'm like, okay, so um, maybe you can't tell me this. And it went all the way to the yes. Like, no, I can't, I can't tell you this. So, so that was just one of the verifications we kind of had on that too. So it is interesting when I've spoken to mediums and people alike in the past, uh, it does seem like these spirits do have answers, but they're not allowed or supposed to give us all the answers to things, which I find really fascinating. I guess a lot of people could argue that, well, that's just, you know, I guess someone working a bit of a con, you know, not having the answers. But I guess it it, it makes sense, though, that we aren't supposed to know. You know, I guess we're all going to end up, you know, dead eventually. And I guess at that point, that's when we'll figure out and find out what those answers actually are. Right, right. That's kind of what I think. But yeah, I think there's like, like some sort of unwritten rule that there's just certain secrets you cannot give away. You know, that's that's just in my research, whether I'm I'm right or wrong, I don't know. But that's kind of my belief on it. So I've seen that you have produced quite a lot of content for YouTube and so on. And I was just having a bit of a browse before and it looks like you've hit some of the pretty big haunted locations like uh, Waverly Hills Sanatorium, Edinburgh Manor. So you've obviously gone pretty global with a lot of your investigations. Oh, yeah. Gosh, we uh, we have traveled all over the U.S. to the well-known haunted locations. We got some trips planned this year. I think we have like five or six trips planned. And some of them, we kind of like hit the, like I like to call the underground where they're not so well-known because um, I think those are a lot of fun because they're a little bit untouched. And I think the ghosts are a little bit uh, not seasoned, I guess, as yes. you can say. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like when you do like the Waverly Hills and, and things like that, they're awesome places, but the spirits kind of know what's going on. At that point, they understand REM pods and things. And so sometimes it's kind of fun to play with them when they really don't know what the heck is going on. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? It it does feel like, you know, you might do a ghost hunt 
or something of like, and um, it seems like the tour guide or the investigator sort of running the spiel, you know, it's like a weekly thing. It's almost like they're performers in a sense, um, these spirits, and some nights they perform and some they don't. But it is, it, that, it's that very interesting thing, isn't it, that they, they do become quite conditioned to, I guess, people and the equipment. So I could imagine, yeah, going somewhere maybe a little bit off the beaten path, um, some of those spirits would be quite uh, unhinged and very curious. Yeah, so we're we're looking forward to that, and and you know, like I've noticed too when we went to Veliskak's uh, murder house, and you know, very well known house, but we decided not to focus on any of the deaths that went on in the house. So we kind of focused more on the children's lives and what they were into and the games they played and the you know just kind of about them. And we had so much response at that house that night. It was crazy. We got the most incredible EVPs. Like I got all class A EVPs that I did not even have to like edit or anything. So we had like one of the girls name is Lena and one of the older boys. um, He just he's probably I think he was like 11 or 13 maybe when he died. And um, I think his name was Boyd, but it's been a long time. So don't quote me on that. But anyway, he said, no, Lena, no. Um, like she was going to do something. Um, we had another little boy that said, we want to touch your things as we were putting out toys. Um, the most incredible EVP I think I've ever got in my career is two EVPs of the children talking to each other because one said, do you want to play? And then the other one goes, no way. So it's like incredible that you even get an EVP to begin with, but to getting two talking to each other was the most amazing EVP I think I've ever captured. Wow. That is incredible. Especially yeah, hearing them interact with one another. That's so unheard of. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was such a fun place. Yeah. We've been there twice now. So eventually we'd like to go back. We want to do we're talking about doing a throwback year where we go to some of our favorite places again. <laughs> If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I think we'll get into, I guess, the sort of meat of why. Um, I was very curious to speak with you, which is you have gone on and actually purchased a property that is obviously quite well known to be haunted. I guess take us back to the start of where all of this came from, because I, I could imagine me being very interested in the paranormal, buying a property or you know even just uh, an object or something that is quite known to be haunted would be, for one, very exciting. And uh, I guess just great that you could research so closely and not have to get permission from anyone to go to these other facilities or what kind of have you. It must have been such a, a pipe dream for such an amount of time. So how did it all come about? Well, traveling to all the haunted locations through the U.S. kind of gave me the idea that that would be really cool to have your own place, that you could just go and do it when you want to and then allow other people to come in and do stuff. In 2019 is financially when I was able to move forward to purchase, you know, the Boyd house. And the way I found that was um, I had a really awesome realtor who knew that's exactly what I was looking for. Now, nobody advertises a haunted house. So I just kind of would look at the MLS and the, and the criteria I was looking for, um, you know, as far as like location and age of house. Um, and I would just kind of get a vibe from the house. And if, you know, we went to several different houses, but this particular house, the Boyd house, I was really, really attracted to when I first saw it. Like I just almost in a way kind of became obsessed with it before I even got to go there. So I already kind of felt like I had a connection. And then when um, Donna and I, which was one of our teammates, um, we went down to go look at the house. Realtor was running a little bit late and we were just kind of sitting there and I was like kind of do you kind of feel like somebody's staring at you through that attic window? And she's like, yeah, I didn't want to say it, but I feel like somebody's looking at us. So you kind of got that vibe right away while we were sitting outside waiting. Um, we came in and it kind of, it was like a warm welcome house, but yet you kind of felt like somebody's watching you from afar. We did get a little bit of interaction. First we had a REM pod go off and that went off probably within eight minutes after us being there up in one of the, well, we turned it into the library now. Um, and then I got, we were running a spirit box and we heard a woman say, who are you? And then we just got like a couple kids names on the spirit box and Bridget was one of them. Um, so then I was kind of like, okay, well, we got a little bit of stuff. So like, what should I do now? So I checked with the psychic that I really trust and she's like, oh my gosh, yeah, there's like six spirits there. And she kind of told me all about them. And since we've been investigating, we've really confirmed a lot of stuff she said. 
but then I thought, well, you know what, let's, I'm just going to ask the owner cause they lived there for like 30 years. They must have something. Right. And so they did have some stuff. They kind of blew it off cause they were um, the elderly couple. And so they were kind of like, you know, if you talk about this, you're crazy. Um, but she always said the house was always kind of funny and she would hear old fashioned time music playing and just kind of weird stuff. And then I got to know the kids um, who still live in town now as adults. And they had so many stories that they would see an adult man. Um, they've been touched. They've heard noises. Their friends have been over and they've been touched. And so just just a lot of stuff had, had gone on there. So I went ahead and purchased it. And it's just been a crazy ride and lots of experiences since. Wow. It's As you said, for one, it must have been quite a struggle to find something haunted. As you said, they don't advertise haunted houses. But um, the the fact to stumble across this perfect location by the sounds of it with six entities and, you know, the the past owners are having a bunch of experiences and their kids, it kind of just seems like it's meant to be, doesn't it? It's the perfect location for what you're wanting Oh yeah, that's that's how I felt when I first saw it. It's like you know when you're looking at it, so you're like, this is the one, you know. So that's the kind of the vibe I got got with the Boyd House. Um, at first, I wasn't getting a lot of activity, you know, because we ended up renovating the house itself. Um, was built in 1901, um, but our deed goes back to 1889 when it was actually owned by the St. Louis Minneapolis Railroad, and the town itself was an old booming wild west town way back in the day and also butted up against the Sioux Dakota reservation line. So there was probably a lot of uh, history that, you know, we can't find information on because I just can't imagine it being wild west that things did not happen. But our house was the first house right on the edge of town. It was the first house to have plumbing. Uh, The guy who owned it eventually in 1912 his name was Fred Eckhart, and he was a very well-known businessman in town. Um, so he owned a, a store where he sold fancy goods and groceries, that kind of thing. He was also on the school board, the church he helped build. Um, so just very well-respected businessman. Uh, him and his wife actually passed away in the house, and Minnie's funeral was held there for three days. So they had her whole wake and everything in the parlor. Uh, Two of their children passed away. One choked to death when I believe he was like three years old. So we've had a little bit of that. And then we also know that there was a gal in 1970 that passed away. Now she was elderly as well. So we've never had anything other than the little boy tragic deaths that we know of. But we do get quite a bit of evidence. Fred is still at the location as well as his wife and and we'd get a lot of children activity too but bringing the house back into the 1900s as well we have got a lot of antiques in the house so there could be some residual stuff from that as well as we've purchased things that are supposedly haunted um so we do get quite a bit of different activity at the house not even just you know direct with the family but just names and crazy stuff going on that, you know, I don't I don't know where things come from. So <laughs> a lot of death, obviously, in that house, which is pretty surreal, but probably not too uncommon for that sort of time, correct? Probably a lot of people would have died at home and compared to how we, you know, sort of operate now. Right, right. And then I've also had a psychic too say that a couple of people died of tuberculosis. He goes, but you won't find that on any record. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of things. They didn't keep records. I, I'm having a hard time finding any records beyond, so 1912 is about the first information I can find. 
So I have information on my deed about the first owners in 1901, but I can't find any information on them. Um, I don't believe they died in the home, but I just still don't have any information on them. How have the spirits taken to not having an owner like they had for the last 30 years, you know, people just living in the house, doing their everyday thing, uh, and then all of a sudden having different groups of people coming through and specifically seeking them out? Have you sort of found it's a bit of a change maybe from what the previous owners were experiencing or is it just kind of much the same? The spirits are just interacting as they kind of always were. At first it was really slow going, like they didn't know what anything was and I wasn't really getting any EVPs, any interaction with the equipment. I thought, oh gosh, did I make a mistake here? You know, but then there was one day I was cleaning and I was in the kids room and I just had my little REM pod bear and I said, look, you got to let me know that you're here. I'll bring you presents. Other people bring you presents, you know, but you just, we just got to work together here. And then that bear went off like on and off all night for like three hours after that. So... And then we just started getting more and more evidence. So I think now that they're learning what stuff is, because they're touching a lot more stuff, they're, we're getting a lot more equipment interaction. We're getting a lot more spirit boxes, more EVPs. Um, so I think they're they're kind they're, you know they're quite getting the hang of of what's going on. Well, that's great. Obviously, that's the response you would be hoping for them getting used to all the equipment and. Uh, I guess, yeah, furthering your research with all this. So I'm very curious to hear about what you have experienced or some sort of significant uh, experiences that other people have had in that house. Uh, Well, I I myself, I've actually heard audible voices quite often. Uh, Just recently, Teresa and I were down there and we were, she was doing something in the kitchen. I was um, kind of dusting up. We had brought uh, mini a uh, fern and she she really likes ferns but I was picking it up and I was dusting and I heard like a woman's voice say two words but I thought it was Teresa because it almost sounded different like not her voice but I was like oh she must be turning on one of her pieces of equipment was my thought and then seconds later she said what did you say and I'm like oh my gosh I know so then at that moment I was like I go what did you hear and she said she heard leave it so I think it was many like telling me to leave the plant alone. Um, so that, w- that was pretty cool. But I've been touched, um, like I said, audible voices. I've heard do- footsteps, doors opening. Um, my husband has actually seen a um, woman standing on the stairwell. He actually came um, up the stair or he came in through the front door, looked up at the top of the stairs, and there was a woman standing there with kind of like medium length brown hair, white in white and just like he looked at her real quick because he thought it was me for a second and then all of a sudden she was gone so he then at that point he was like well that wasn't her so (laughs) so yeah he's he's had that but yeah a lot of noises and and things like that so yeah it's just it's just been incredible the kind of stuff we get a lot of a, a paranormal equipment interaction um we get quite a bit of that that must be very exciting you know like i just couldn't imagine having this whole property that uh i guess it's it's its sole purpose from now on isn't it it's to sort of further your understanding and research and so on it's yeah it's it's very cool yeah it's a lot of fun too because um i I get more like when you go to these well-known haunted locations you get like what eight ten twelve hours at the max that's it that's all you have to make that connection and then with me having the boyd house i'm there a lot. So we have, a, you know, I treat my spirits, you know, with a lot of respect. 
a lot of conversations what they have. I'll just I'll just tell them about my week, you know, what's going on, how's your week been. Um, if I get any feedback or maybe I've seen video of one of the groups that have been there, I'll bring it up and say, hey, that was funny when you did this or, you know, that kind of stuff. So we kind of kind of do that rapport. I've actually, um, you know, so they know me by name. So we've had EVPs of my name um, being called out. Um, actually, you know, they're they're very intuitive. They watch a lot of things going on. Um, one of our favorite EVPs is we were at the dinner table, uh, the team was, and I think we were just talking about like farting and, and things that were like, just, you know, you know, things you wouldn't talk about back in the day, totally inappropriate. And um, we got an EVP of, um, we think it's Fred or it could be Minnie because we have somebody who talks in a really raspy voice, but I feel like it's a female that smokes a lot of cigarettes. Um, but they said, you're not very proper, are you? So it's like they weren't really appreciating our conversation that night. Um, so yeah, we've, we've gotten, yeah, kind of experiences that way too. Obviously you've been doing this for quite a while now, and I suppose it probably never becomes too ordinary because, you know, every day, every investigation might be slightly different, but I'm assuming for the most part, it's, it's kind of the norm to at least someone like yourself, but what's sort of maybe a time where you've actually been quite frightened or something very unexpected has happened that sort of put you out and really, I guess, had a bit of an impact? I'd love to hear uh, about an experience like that. Um, I think we always kind of go to this house called Whispers Estate um, for that kind of bad experience. I guess I wouldn't say bad, but... Um, the most probably, like you say, impacted. So kind of the history behind that is there was an unethical doctor. Um, so he did bad things with his female patients. They buried a lot of the body parts in the backyard. His daughter started a fire. Um, so then he mercy killed her with morphine overdoster to put her out of her misery. They've had a child die there. They had um, a really grumpy guy die there the day of his retirement. So he does a lot of bad things, too. So just a lot of negativity um, associated with this house. Just right from the get-go, when we walked in, there was just like this constant, um, and I've never felt this before, like energy, electricity, almost like there was cobwebs on your face. Like, And, and we were all doing it, like constantly wiping your face constantly. It was really annoying. Um, we saw wet footprints coming up from the basement and going outside, that particular um, night and it was just just really a lot of energy in the air but we went up into this closet where the man had passed away and we were told a lot of negative things happen like people get scratched or they get locked in the closet um just just some bad things even the owners didn't want to come up there if the closet door was open they wanted it locked um, when you were done and we decided to go in the closet, of course, because that's what we do. <laughs> and um, But it's like a big walk-in closet. So, um, you know, there's plenty of room. They actually had like a little table, a couple chairs in there for you to sit. So I was kind of in there and I had this voice in my head that said, get out of this closet. So I was like, okay, but I don't like being in closets anyway, because I just always feel like the door is going to shut and I'm going to get locked in. So I just thought, oh, it's just my paranoia. So I stepped out and the spirit box is running at the time and it said, shut this door. And we didn't do that either. Um, and so Teresa is actually sitting um, towards the back of the closet in a chair, wooden chair. And all of a sudden she comes flying out about four feet across the room, her and this chair. She lands on her hands and knees and she is like something 
forcefully picked up that chair and threw me. Um, so that was like the most, um, at that point I was like, oh my God, these things really can do stuff to you. Um, so that was kind of my profound, um, experience that I had actually ever seen and been a part of. So wow. that, was, that was kind of a, a, a freaky incident. We all vowed we would never go back. And then last year we did go back. Um, Teresa would not go. Um, but it was a completely different experience. Like we didn't have the cobwebs and um, it was just, it was a totally different, totally different night. So, yeah. I suppose from your time doing this research, what is a spirit? Why are they still here? What, what's your sort of understanding? Have you even gotten that answer from any of these entities before? Why do some people pass over to the other side and why are some people stuck here or their sort of imprint yeah, in that sort of time remains here for some reason. Like, what, what's your understanding of that? Uh, I haven't really gotten like a whole bunch of, uh, you know, answers from the spirits itself. It was just like, I'm happy and they don't want to leave that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's pretty much most of the answers I get, but sometimes I feel like also it's maybe some unfinished business. Um, you know, maybe they're scared to cross over. I, if you kind of think about back in the day, even if you committed the smallest of crime, um, they feel like they betrayed their God. And if they, you know, go forth, they may, they may not make it there just because of that small thing they did, you know, back as, back in the day as, as religious was more prevalent. Um, so there, there's those kind of factors as well too. But, um, you know, some spirits I've talked to said they can come and go. Some say that they're stuck where they are, but other people just say that they're just happy where they are. Um, you know, so, you know, maybe some people are just fine, you know, like in the case of the Boyd house, you know, I just think because they were such prominent, um, founders of the town and it was probably just such a happy time and, and they died, you know, Fred and Minnie died a couple years apart. I think they just kind of hung out for one another and waited. And now that they're, they're reunited, they're just going to stay in their home and be happy. Yeah. I guess it's a nice way to look at it is that a haunting isn't necessarily a negative thing. These spirits are just kind of hanging out, doing their thing. They're quite happy where they are. Why kind of go and ruin a good thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, I and I ask them too, you know, is there anything I can do for you? Anything that you want? Um, those kind of things. And so I try to bring them gifts. I mean, we've had one that kept saying they liked fudge. And so we brought them fudge and, you know, things like that. And um, so, yeah, if they tell us, I bring it. <laughs> I do get this question um, here and there sometimes from listeners uh, who are interested in getting into paranormal investigation but aren't really sure how to do that. You know, they don't really sure about the equipment or anything like that. So do you have any advice for people who have a passion, have an interest, and they want to start getting into this kind of field? You know, just definitely reach out to any of the paranormal groups. Um, and there sometimes they are looking for people, and that would be a good way to train um, rather than just venturing out on your own to begin with, um, you know, that's kind of where we started a little bit. So it was a little bit of trial and error and learning. Um, and then you just kind of learn what kind of equipment you want. So just doing your basic research and there's so much out there now with the internet on, you know, what the equipment are, different kinds of things, um, how to get started. So there's just, it's just more, more resources nowadays than there were back when I started, even just, you know, gosh, 12 years ago. Um, available for those that want to start out. But I would just recommend um, always just be respectful of your spirits because they, um, you know, they're people too in a way, you know, even though they're physically not here. Um, but also you you can come across something 
that's a little cranky and, and you know, they, they can hurt you. So uh, physically, if they have enough energy, so you really got to be careful. A hundred percent. It's sort of playing with something that we don't really know a ton about. So that's what I always say is just be respectful with anything you kind of do and try to be as knowledgeable as you possibly can. But I think that as you mentioned, is a great way to get into it though, is um, reaching out to some local investigators in your area and see if they'll take you on or, you know, kind of trying to learn from um, people who are doing it is obviously a great way to uh, get stuck into it. Oh yeah. And then it gets addicting. (laughs) (laughs) Then you start trying stuff. (laughs) If people want to um, reach out to you or, you know, if they're interested in um, coming and checking out your property, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? And what, what's the kind of options for people to come and have a look at your property? Or Yeah, if uh, people are interested um, in booking nights, um, what we're doing right now is it's $200 um, for a night, and that's good for up to eight people. And then you get the house from 3 p.m. till noon the next day. Um, like I said, you're there by yourself. You're free to roam around all, all aspects of the house. It's fully functioning. We have heat. Uh, air conditioner units in the win- in the summertime, showers, bathroom. So what you can do is just uh, check us out on uh, our website, which is boydhouse217.com. And then um, if you want to, you can just email us at boydhouse217 at yahoo.com. Um, so that's that's kind of the best way to, to get a hold of us. Amazing. And if not, that's a pretty affordable Airbnb for eight people, isn't it? 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People, I, you know, as I travel around, it's kind of like, as we talk, we're like, oh gosh, you know, what would we like if, you know, if, you know, this was our place. So time is a big thing. Um, because, you know, I, that, you know, I kind of feel like people can come in, kind of get set up, then they can have dinner, then they can investigate. And then if you're up all night, you can sleep a couple hours before you have to go home. You don't have to rush out at the crack of dawn. We've, you know, added and upgraded, you know, we have a little pizza maker and a fridge. And then also we um, just recently added a, a coffee station. So people are excited about that. And then we actually added some snacks. So we have like different chips and pretzels and kind of things too. So we're just kind of making it like a little homey atmosphere for everyone. Oh, I love that. That's great. All right. Well, Jill, thank you so much for coming on and uh, telling us about your very interesting life that you live uh, doing paranormal investigating and owning a haunted house. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be very uh, envious of you after listening to this because I feel like it's it's kind of the dream for anyone who wants to kind of go down that path with this stuff. So I thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, yes. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Well, there you go. Thank you so much to Jill once again. I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. I was just fascinated with someone who has kind of been able to live out their dream and purchase a haunted property, which they can use at any time and, you know, obviously rent out to other investigators to further their investigations and knowledge. It's it's actually a really great thing to sort of be able to give back and also that kind of fun, selfish thing of, you know, people work hard and, um, you know, spending your money on a haunted house. Like, why not? I can't say I've ever come across that in the past. So it was really exciting and refreshing to hear uh, that take from a paranormal investigator. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Please check out all of our previous episodes as well. And of course, episodes in the near future as well. As I mentioned earlier, check out our socials. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Jump on the Patreon if you want to help support the podcast. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much, guys. I'll catch you in another podcast episode really soon. Thanks. Bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.